Welcome to Perspectives YYC Season 3. Exciting news, we have been officially selected to become part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. From this season forward, we will feature short sponsor messages. The APN's main focus is to provide sponsorship to keep us afloat, and I'm grateful for it. Podcasting ain't easy, or free. Today's recording is brought to you by the ATB Branch of Arts and Culture. Our branch in Calgary can be found at Stephen Avenue. They have an incredible space which I walk through every time I take a much-needed caffeine break next door. A space designed as an artist venue and a clubhouse for creators and cultural workers in Alberta. I've always marveled at the space, that it's a gallery first, and that there is apparently a financial institution hidden somewhere in the back. Artists and creative entrepreneurs are often underserved at banks, but my experience so far has been one of support and collaboration. ATB even let me record a podcast in their beautiful workspace as a creator and without an account. If you're interested to learn more, check them out at atb.com slash the branch. Today's episode, I got to sit down with Audrey Lane Cockett, spoken word artist, poet, activist, scientist, performer, and just like a pretty cool person in general. We speak about nature's role in her life and her art, about her first scientific poem in grade six, her thoughts on the creative process and basically about the creative life here in Calgary. And spoiler alert, she graces us with the performance after all this chit chat too. It was an exciting opportunity for me to learn about Audrey Lane. And as an added bonus, she sent me her collaboration with local music talent Twizzy Ramos. I want to start off this episode with that track. Twizzy and I haven't met yet, but uh, I think this opening piece is dope and signed of things to come. Just a quick thank you for pressing play and spending your time with me and my guests. If you'd like to, press pause, subscribe, share, like, review. Just uh, connect with us digitally. Our artists today, Audrey Lane is on Instagram at at audreylane.c. Twizzy Ramos is at twizzy underscore Ramos. And of course, we're now part of the Alberta Podcast Network. You can find them at at albertapodnet. You can even follow us at Perspectives YYC. And without uh, so much further ado, let's get started. Grief ties a knot in my shoulder, holds me hostage to the too small couch. My jaw tight all night, cracks in the morning. Grief looks at me, side eyes in the mirror. My sternum falls into my spine. I dry heave the truth, desperately, trying and failing to deny. didn't get the chance to suck back all their chlorophyll. Their loss came, cold shock, green leaves atop first snow. It was pretty, really. Better for the leaves to die. 
sky so vibrant. They would have wanted that. Welcome to Perspectives with YYC's podcast. <laughs> That's terrible. <clears throat> I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Um, I just want to, maybe we could start with uh, asking you kind of who you are and where you come from and yes. uh, how we find ourselves sitting here today. Uh, my name is Audrey Lane Cockett and I am a spoken word artist and I was born here in Calgary, here on Treaty 7 land a poet and an artistic director, and I work as a park naturalist, and um, I'll leave it there for now, but I, I like cats and I have many of them. What is a naturalist? A park naturalist, yes. yes. So I do outdoor education programs for youth at the Weaselhead Park. Um, so take them through the forest and down by the river and teach them about ecology and biodiversity and invertebrates and water chemistry and whatever the grade is demanding. <laughs> oh, that's neat. Uh, yeah. Is that something like you studied and uh, got yes. into? Okay. Yes. So I went to school in Victoria for environmental studies and physical geography um, with some directed studies in ethnobotany. So, so I'm what? a nerd. No, 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 no. Uh, I just need to learn more. What is yes. ethnobotany? Mm, yeah. So that's like human and plants. So like human, how humans use plants. So like for fiber, for food, for medicines, for structures, all of that kind of stuff. Is it always in a sort of use it for sustenance and for um, tools rather than like aesthetic qualities and like the focus and perspectives, how we aromatherapy? I mean, that's yeah, that could be part of it. I think it's it's just kind of like studying the intersection of humans and plants as opposed to just like focusing on like the molecular biology of like how a you know, seed germinates or something like that, which is cool too. But um, for me, my interest definitely lies at like the intersection of how humans are interacting, how how plants have shaped cultures around the world. Well, it's fascinating. fascinating for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, before we get to where we are, I mean, what what drew you to something like that? Is that something you've always been interested in? Or? Um, what drew me to that? I think like through my education at at UVic, it brought me to some quite beautiful, amazing places. I took a, a field school in Helsic territory, which is on the central coast of BC um, near Bella Bella, and ended up working at a place called Quay, um, which is like a Helsic run cultural revitalization camp. And I did some gardening for them. Um, so like looking into restoring some berry gardens that are like deep in their, in their culture. And I just had the the pleasure and like honor of, of being able to be there and work for, for, for them and learn and, and contribute by gardening. And that it was just fascinating because there's so much history there and so much like ways that um, people are using plants there and have that deep rooted, like still very present, like understood confluence between, between those things. I, I kind of want to just stay here for that. I don't know. I mean, you can poetry, stop me. whatever. No, no, no. no. I, well, I wonder but too. But all this informs my poetry too. I was going to yeah, say, yeah. it has to. Yeah, I, I feel definitely. like, you know, when I mean, even if somebody's uh, studied, I don't know, something particularly dry mm -hmm. in my perspective, yeah. if they find creativity and beauty in it, 
then it will inform their creative yeah, spirit. Yeah. Um, but as a trope, you know, going into the idea of nature yeah. and uh, I mean specifically plants, I mean there is has to be a connection to some creativity. I mean, yeah. By, by essence. Absolutely, absolutely. So I've definitely been de described as a wild poet <laughs> before. I think my love of place, my love of like outdoors, my love of nature and fascination with like those natural processes and how they affect humans and how how history is all wrapped up in like our connection to place has definitely informed how, one, how I see the world, two, how I, how I create and three, what I create about. Is there an overarching perspective or opinion that you have right now about our relationship to plants? Maybe, I don't know if it breaks down into today, historically, you know, how plants were essentially before humans uh, existed. Uh, you know, we hear these topical descriptions like, oh, what is it? Like wheat or corn or something couldn't exist. You know, there's all these weird right. headlines that come out in uh, alarmist news articles about why you have to either hate GMO or distrust this. Or, <laughs> but I mean, as someone who actually studies it, is there overarching opinion about your studies? Like, are yeah. we doing okay? Are we doing okay? <laughs> um I think I'll talk about instead of like plants, I'll talk about place. Like I think it's really, really important to better understand our connection to place and and cultivate connections to place and understand our place here and like understand like indigenous histories better. Yeah, understand like our connections. And I think that connection to place can bring a lot of joy, can bring a lot of community, can can create healthier, healthier lifestyles and um and just like more connected living, which mm. I think is a beautiful thing. We were about to look at one of those uh, trace your gene, you know, services, et cetera. Sure, sure, sure. And sure. I remember hearing about it, uh, I, you know, in the ethos for a long time. But last year I met a woman who actually performed this thing. So she got uh, all this like genealogical data and yeah. history relating her to so-and-so. But also she got... Um, interesting advice about what types of foods she might be more natural to consume right. because of her genealogy. So yeah, yeah. You, your parents come from the highlands of wherever sure. and they survived sure. on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's something fascinating about that, that uh, especially in Canada as a, well, in North America as a continent of um, essentially immigrants, like how confusing yeah. something like that is. Like the idea of place is strange. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, is there something where you feel like we've, yeah, not lost their way, perhaps, but um, it's become quite confused. I think, um, yeah, even using the word place, uh, is it something that needs to stretch farther than our, you know, immediate experience? Yeah, no, I, I really agree. I think, I think that as a country of, um, like, there's obviously lots of indigenous cultures intact and thriving, and, um, but there are, you know a lot of immigrants and settlers and and that colonial presence ha deeply affects our connection to place and and our understandings of it so i think there's lots of work to do in in unlearning some of some of our colonial brain um and also just like giving in to place and paying attention and noticing and and yeah i think for me, like it's been such a rewarding experience. Like my my what started as just like, you know, growing up and my family took me out to the mountains a lot and that kind of started that 
awe, that appreciation um, for nature. And I always joke that like that was my church, like going out to nature, going to the woods. That was always my my place of reverence, my place of like feeling connected to something greater. And I think that's informed how I go through my life. And, and I found it to be really rewarding. And a lot of my work circles around like bringing people to the woods in one way or another. Yeah, I think I think connection to place is is super important and a lot of really valuable cultural growth can happen in that in that learning about place. So take me through then so you've obviously got this great connection to the concept of nature to the I guess yeah suggestion of history uh, of food of plants um, you studied it in school. Yes. So where, yeah, where does the writing start? Does it start before then and through? Does it start after? I mean, how do we get into yeah. um, not just writing, but being a performer? For sure, for sure. Yeah, so I, I've kind of always written poetry, like, since a very young age. And honestly, a lot of my, like, young poetry was also about plants. Like, I'm, like, a through-and-through through nerd. Like, I did a my first published poem was out of like a science fair, two-year science fair project I did about invasive grasses nice. <laughs> versus like native grasses and like different ways of controlling that. Uh, it actually affected some city policy. Um, oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, it was called Rough versus Smooth about rough fescue and smooth brome, my first published poem. So yes, it's been, it's always been quite a consilient thing, both together. So maybe if we can look at, Sorry. no, let's look at that. I mean, um, how old are you when you write it? What drives you to write it? Yes. How does it get public? I mean, it, it's fascinating because um, yeah. it's, you know, typically the trope of poetry is this sort of self-deprecating angst that starts off with the, some, I mean, I'm sure there's that level of it too. Oh, sure. Yeah, um, definitely. But that you was... wrote a science poem. <laughs> So yeah. I mean, uh, now, now I have to know, I think. Um, uh, yeah. So how old were you? Uh, and what was leading um, up to that that you felt compelled like to write that? In grade six. Yeah, I was in grade six. I had just learned about photosynthesis and like that's kind of how the project came about. I kind of just made some observations and uh, my mom is like really supportive and was like, yeah, yeah, let's make a whole project out of that. And we got excited. And but in terms of like the poetry aspect, it's kind of always been my way of processing information and like making connections to my between like my emotional side and my like my right brain and and kind of making those making those connections, making sense of the world and like expressing it. That's always, always been a really important method of expression for me and and the way that I best understand things is is through that expression and and finding those connections so I think it was just like writing that piece was about understanding the emotional side of it which is also where I really love to live like I am a scientist I am an artist but I I love living at the intersection between art and science and community yeah that's that's where I I find the most spark for me well, it's the interesting thing about the beginning, that metaphor of you studying the intersection of humanity and nature. Yeah. And now there's an intersection of, I mean, when you're very young, about yeah. science and language. Um, <laughs> Can't believe or, I shared that story. Why? <laughs> right, it's fascinating. I think, you know, one of the things that I want to do, um, one of the things I want to do with perspectives in general is sort of focus it 
more constructively. So I um, was sat down recently by a, a painter, uh, Jessica Bross. I had a great meeting with her. Um, and she kept asking me, essentially, uh, without getting into the full uh, two-hour conversation, um, right. you know, what questions could I ask or what could I direct, how could I direct the, all of my work with perspectives away from uh, sort of a cynicism and uh, an easy blaming sort of tone and, and look for um, either people like yourself, uh, individuals or conceptual uh, ideas of what we need to do um, to just help Calgary kind of push through that next threshold. So, Yeah, I think that's awesome. That's also something I definitely like strive for in my work and some of the projects I'm working on right now are really about like capturing different not capturing like platforming different perspectives and and trying to have more beautiful conversations between between groups that might you know typically have a lot of like trope conflicts and and like some hurt and maybe some bitterness and blame and stuff like that that exists but doesn't really need to and like I think there's lots of injured interactions in Canada between between groups and we could get into that more if you want well sure I mean uh, maybe a, as a way to get into that conversation mm -hmm. I, you know I look at I mean we just had in the pre-chat uh, Kyle was educating me on some um, interesting uh, what would you call it Brand branding information <laughs> marketing primal branding primal <laughs> primal branding <laughs> I keep telling him he should be mic'd up but he's, I don't know why he won't do it in our next iteration of the studio, we'll have it. Uh, everybody with like, <laughs> we'll have sixty mics ready to go on a giant mixing board. Love it. Um, so, with the primal band branding concept, is this uh, thought in my mind about uh, one of the terms was about uh, defining an other and having to uh, essentially present yourself against something in order to define yourself. Yeah, there's a weird thing. I think it's innate in human perception that everything needs to be in contrast. Like we won't understand um that this is a colorful dog painting without having seen a drab you know like something in gray we won't understand that this true. is light without having dark true, you know all true. this and then of course into the more specific things about yeah hate and judgment and uh, yeah. I, this will come out way after the pol uh, election's over but uh, the current topic as of oh, today yeah. april we're recording this. I shouldn't date it, but April tenth. Yeah. So we were about to do. Uh, we're about to partake in a provincial election. Yeah, it's on my birthday. The election. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just hoping the UCP doesn't also have a party. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, so that's the thing, you know. Um, learning about primal branding and the intentionality of these messages. Uh, yeah. Learning about sure. these biases that are now inherent. I mean, I joked the other morning about Facebook getting caught influencing the U.S. election and just saying, yep, yeah, sorry, and then nothing happens. Like, it's the level in which we are sitting as kind of yeah. obscene. Um, yeah. So how do we get this message of solidarity and unity uh, without perhaps participating in that kind of conversation? Yeah. I think that's a really important question to be asking through my own work, like where I'm finding a lot of a lot of joy right now, a lot of like my own like super anarchist inclinations, something that I'm I'm finding uh, ways to participate in that in answering that question is I'm I'm working on a project called Wild Constructs. Yeah, Wild Constructs is uh, in collaboration with the Weaselhead Park. Um, that I work for and uh, it's a series of six 
videos um, in with seven or eight, nine local artists and all of them super talented, all of them coming from different disciplines with like poetry, music, visual art, like all sorts of storytelling, drumming, different disciplines, but also each one with a different perspective, each one with a different community and, and understanding. And, and for me, that was really, has been a really beautiful process of, of seeing how people are reacting to this place. And, and it's kind of in reaction to the Southwest Ring Road being built and kind of examining the different impacts that that is bringing. And um, I was part of like the biological impact study. And, and for me, always, I kind of think about the human, like how are different humans being impacted? And, and it's been so fascinating. I've, I've learned a lot about different perspectives, you know, perspectives from mothers, perspectives from Satina people, perspectives from all sorts of different communities and, and my own and understanding my own better a little bit. And, and art is a really cool way of having these conversations and, and also platforming these kind of ideas, because I think, Art has a way of doing it where it, maybe it doesn't raise people's hackles in the same way that politics does. And we can just have these honest conversations and understand like the impacts on different communities, on different people, on different art forms and understand each other on a level that, you know, maybe like works around some of our defensiveness, some of our internal qualms. And yeah, it's fascinating. What, as an organizer, I, because I feel like at the, in particular, I think the magazine more than anything, but I feel like we're essentially kind of trying to take the same approach. Mm -hmm. So maybe my question might be, I mean, how do you find the curatorial process of something like that? Um, how have you gone about finding artists that will fit your conception of what that message could, ought, and should be? Um, yeah. And, and then organizing it in a way that's palatable for, for people. And, yeah. Sure, yeah. I'm not like so concerned with being palatable, <laughs> but um, no. In, to, in response to your question, that like curatorial process and like directing, producing process for me, it started as just such a small idea. Like I was just recording wild sounds. Oh, all of the pieces and wild constructs are backed by like a wild soundscape from natural sounds that I've been recording for the past three years. So it started as honestly, it started as listening. Um, and that's been a through theme for all of it. It started by listening to the sounds of the wild, listening to the sounds of construction, understanding how those two impact each other. And then it's kind of broadened out into, okay, like what other stories am I not hearing and trying to reach out and fill in those gaps. And it's been a real huge learning experience for me and, and also uncovered some of my blind spots that I didn't even know were there. It's, it's been awesome kind of curating that and seeing, seeing where the lack is, seeing where my own, my own like story doesn't, doesn't cover everything, not nearly. So just finding, finding other people who can add to that. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're not ever going to get like the huge full perspective, but just kind of trying to highlight ones that might not necessarily be hugely represented generally. So the uh, idea of um, observing one's own bias through one's own biases, uh, you know, it's, it's tautological, but um, <laughs> it's, it's interesting. Like um, we tried, uh, we, we're, I am trying um, this open call th theory where 
anybody that I think feels that they have a, a message or a story or, or some expression that they want should feel open to sharing it with mm -hmm. us. And we, we don't want to judge what goes in, but yeah. then the reality is there's also bias there. I mean, what are like how artists feel that they're ready and, and that yeah. self-deprecating voice that the generally creatives have yeah. um, blocking yeah. probably, <laughs> you know, for every story that I get, that's amazing. Like there's for probably a sure. hundred that might be equally as impactful, totally, um, totally. but they're not ready yet. Yeah. Um, and then the final thing is the <laughs> magazine layout, et cetera, will dictate, you know, can we put these two pieces or these two similar, et cetera. Totally. Um, when you, add in a live element uh it's fascinating i just built that uh music show with uh fake james music and oh, cool. uh and I've worked with them before. Yeah, yeah taylor that's sweet. uh and um i mean that's a pain in the ass <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh it's been so much more work than i thought it yeah, would it's be crazy. <laughs> it's <Yeah. nuts. laughs> i mean i i got lucky i mean I, I got ill and everything so i couldn't actually participate as much as i should have but um, watching Taylor and um, and uh, Austin, all those guys kind of like hit it because they've done work like that before. There seems to be sort of a structure they approach it with. But when I'm watching them work, you know, it's a marvel because I'm thinking if I had to do that from scratch, uh, the number of mistakes that I have to make that would quadruple or yeah. you know, exponentially raise the yeah, workflow. Yeah. Um, but also change, I think, who I decide would perform, um, which is a kind of a weird thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Whether they're good message and then they have to be a good performer actually it's one of the yeah uh, oh yeah that's what was so it called important. power whatever kyle's thing was uh what was it primal primal, Prim primal branding, branding. <laughs> this is why this is why i'm anti-capitalist because i can't even keep uh simple logos and brands <laughs> in my mind um, i'm just too stupid apparently. um no no uh, one of the things was having a focal, like a leader or a, a character or a person that mm -hmm. can express all the, the views. Yeah. Yeah. I should say that that was also a huge part of my like curatorial process is just like, okay, who do I know that's like uber talented and like amazing and like, you know, brings also a different like art form and like a different way of creating. So that was also part of it. Like not only perspectives, just like talented like very talented team fascinating uh, the other thing i was thinking about is um you know that uh, the only adage i can think of is like how can you hear anything if you never stop talking so like <laughs> you know you talk about um using listening and sounds um as a starting point for that yeah. the visualization let's say of um of a pond or a creek or a mountaintop yeah and then the visualization of a construction zone or traffic or idling a car yeah. might if it i mean i couldn't tell you what they would actually look like but if there was actually such a visual difference that that would become a fascinating yeah of i feel like piece. there there would be yeah I, from a, a primal branding standpoint <laughs> i mean do you have any set ideas of how you're going to distribute these things are they going to be on like, like how accessible are they going to be yeah this is a good question something i'm kind of really thinking about right now and this is all new for me like this is my first time producing directing like thinking about a media rollout plan like this is so 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 I'm going through big learning curves in terms of that but yeah I think we'll like have like a screening that we really put on for the public for our community um, and people who have been really invested in it um, but also submit it to a lot of film festivals and and see maybe they'll get picked up as a series maybe some individual ones you know maybe 
some dance ones will want like our ones with dance some you know music ones will want our musician ones and seeing how that goes but then eventually after seeing how it does in festivals I definitely want to release it to the public on a on a wider scale and have it you know available for educational tools have it available to the public have it available to the city to everything so yeah eventually I want it I want it publicly available how, like how long do you think the individual videos are intended to be? I, I don't know how much in the oh, post-process. Um, yeah, no, have it, definitely. Um, so they'll all be around seven minutes. Seven minutes. Rolling back a little bit and going um, mm-hmm. back, I mean, we are talking about this creative process yes. and the idea of uh, creation, but um, maybe more specifically um, from a writing perspective then. So we, we're talking about sort of these more um, project-oriented mm-hmm. Uh, things but uh, let's talk about these specific let's say a piece uh, a, a poem or something that you intend to perform mm-hmm. how does that come about is there usually for example some type of event that's an impetus and then you write it and you decide to perform it is it the opposite is it like a deadline to perform and then you got to scribble something and make it i mean i'm sure there are different examples but yeah. do, what is your approach to this creative process yeah. as an artist yeah i think um there's different ones so sometimes I'll be in a place and a poem will just kind of really come to you and flow through you and you feel like you're really channeling some kind of energy and and it's kind of gifted to you and those are really exciting ones but a lot of the times it's more I have a concept and I'll marinate on it and think about it for like months and like slowly create kind of how I want to how I want to you know get it across and and yeah, just work at it until it gets there and go through some pretty like rigorous editing. I love editing. It's like cutthroat and great. <laughs> well, yeah. so, I mean, specifically, let me think about uh, the concept idea then. I mean, how, mm-hmm. what is something that would drive a, pr- a poetry project based on a concept? So okay. is it something that you might read or something that upsets you? Or what is it that might spark you to decide that I need to spend the next six months developing xyz yeah yeah I'll, maybe i'll give you an example of a of a poem that i did a pretty long like research process um on so i last year year and a half ago i was really like consumed by the question of belonging and what that meant and and where people find it so um for months i would ask almost everyone i met like where do you go to belong and they would answer and I would listen. Um, and at the end of the day, I would write down everything I remembered and try to do a really good job of remembering it all. And then kind of after a, a festival where I just like went nuts and asked so many people this question, I I kind of distilled the answers and found a lot of connections between what different people were saying, my own thoughts about it, and created a piece that was that was about belonging and and really yeah, listening. I was I was kind of just paying attention to what people said and my own feelings around it and I'd ask, you know, sometimes I'd ask like a river <laughs> where it went to belong <laughs> and uh kind of intuit whatever that answer might be. I like that on the asking question. My Dutch friend, there's a word in Dutch describing this, uh, but essentially I think it distills to um, talking at the well. So essentially, Mm -hmm. if you have an idea, a concept, usually I think he was describing for entrepreneurial business, but Mm -hmm. that you have to go to the town well and you have to talk to everybody that you Mm -hmm. meet there to get an idea of like that interchange. So I suddenly hear that in, um, in that 
your process, at least in this example, isn't so much that you lock yourself in a cabinet <laughs> yeah. and like and mull and and come up with. I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I was just going to say that, like, I think it needs both, like, a, a, a lot of paying attention and then also some locking yourself away and being like, okay, I have all of this fodder now. I have all of this influence. Now I need my, my your voice introverted, like, just lock myself away and do the work. And to specifically ask you about this project, I mean, was there anything specific that brought up? The word belong, like it's uh... <laughs> uh, my own, my own questions around it, my own um, insecurities around it, my own journey with belonging, and my own history. And like, I'm a, I'm a settler here on this land. And through that question, I, I got to learn a lot about my own history, my own family, and and that's been really rewarding. And and also just yeah, like I think we all want to belong. I think we all need that as humans and as people and, and I think we all belong to each other and all belong to the earth so yeah I think it's beautiful yeah it's it, it's just interesting I I wonder often from this uh, dramatized idea of art and creativity you know there tends to at least in a movie setting all this might be um primal uh branding or whatever but uh, i mean uh, it doesn't have to be a catastrophe of course but heartbreak yeah or something right um, <laughs> yeah a wall that you hit yeah. or um you know a question that's asked of you yeah. um, that you can't answer yeah um and i i don't know if that's always required but somehow i, I suspect that that's where creativity has to come from um hitting something that you can't immediately overcome sure yeah. 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 I think, I think so. I think so sometimes. Yeah. And I think a lot of like, I definitely have, have poems that are more, you know, about, about some pain and trauma and, and I have poems that are, you know, about some of that healing process as well. And, and that's a different process than the one I just described, but I think so. I think challenge and like kind of chewing on something is, is a lot of creativity can come from that. And, and creatively navigating those issues is also also important. And sometimes sometimes that wall that that's something that like stops us in our tracks doesn't have to come from pain. It can also come from like astounding beauty and like being feeling compelled to like, oh, I need to share this. I need to like share this experience and how amazing it was. And and that can be a real challenge and and uh, and a cool process as well. So I think it can come from that pain and can come from that angst it can come from love it can come from heartbreak it can come from inspire like those are all inspirations is there something in i any of those forms that um and whether it's yourself or you view in other let's say poets or creatives that um seems to be i mean there's a line there where when you hit a wall you either uh, take it like you did in, in in your example for example you go out you develop a question you ask people etc it becomes a project mm -hmm. Or you wallow and, you know, you disappear um, yeah. and, it, and it defeats you, at least yeah. in, in some time frame. I yeah. mean, uh, and everything I think that we experience has different time frames that we yes. approach them. I, I mean, I know that in my case, um, whatever in retrospect and in hindsight I had been to express the creative side of my personality, it wasn't until I had completely bottomed out um, at 38 and kind of like destroyed my life, mm. uh, was on the uh, verge of just, uh, yeah, like, yeah, suicidal depression and uh, just being such an angry, 
uh, piece of shit to my family, to everyone around me, mm. um, blaming, pointing out. Um, and when I broke, um, this process of rebuilding is where I think um, perspectives comes from. Because, yeah. um, you know, in some of the examples you, you mentioned, why does it only have to be when I'm feeling uh, like nothing that I get the impetus to do something about it? Why mm -hmm. can't I just meet someone cool and then tell other people that I met cool people, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so it needs to be both, I think. Yeah. Um, but uh, so many people, I think, get trapped there. Um, I mean, is there yeah. any perspective on your part on what helps motivate you to kind of actually be a creator instead of um, some of that kind of just, you know, does nothing? <laughs> <laughs> I would be untruthful if I said that I haven't ever experienced those lows. Like I definitely struggle with depression, anxiety, my own mental health and conditions like love, <laughs> truth, beauty, goodness. Cats. Um, cats. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. My brother got a new puppy. I feel like that's a good one. <laughs> no. Um, no, but I think what keeps me going, this is, I don't know why this is a hard question for me. My grandpa has kind of this like mantra of truth, beauty, goodness, and love. And those questions and those answers and those concepts are really, I feel like, encompass things that do keep me going. Like, yeah, like love. Love keeps me going in a lot of places. Community love, place love, trying to like maintain that self-love. And and I think a lot of us have this like self-saboteur inside of us that always is kind of like clawing and being like, you're stupid or like you are not good enough for this opportunity or like you can't do that. Um, and definitely that person lives inside of me. But there's also this other person that lives inside of me of like, yeah, we got to do it, though. Like everyone's inadequate. But we're here and we have to show up to it. So trying to give space to not only the saboteur being like, you're not good enough and be like, okay, I hear you. But also this other person inside of me is saying like, yeah, maybe maybe none of us are good enough and we still are here and we still have to make the best of it and, and ultimately have value and have something important to share. And sharing of it is important as well. And yeah, so just trying to give space to all those little little creatures inside of me, even the ones that are sabotaging, kind of listening to them too and being like, hey, I hear what you're saying. That's valid, but also it's not the only thing. And trying to have balance with that. Sometimes I fall out of balance with that, it's totally get into low places and I'm kind of I find my like the way that my energy works is I go into super lows and like where I'm like, oh, like nothing is great. Like everything's really hard right now. And then go into those high energy. I feel like I'm in a high energy place right now of just like all of the projects and I set deadlines and I'm living up to my commitments and I'm doing the most. And then I get really tired and then and then high and then low. <laughs> so it's it's just a cycle. Well, uh, I mean, thank you. That's mm -hmm. great insight. Mm -hmm. I think mentioning your grandpa it's fascinating how much um yeah those familiar structures and getting mentorship or being able to hear what yeah. the mentorship is yeah um or you know it doesn't even have to be family because not a lot of us no, are yeah. even necessarily blessed with um, yeah, yeah, great yeah. strong relationships there but rather just hearing that positivity in general from other creators that i, I probably misquote this now but i think it was robert frost that was like they asked him like well, you know, to describe life, and he says, "I have three words to describe life. It, it goes on, or something like that." Mm -hmm. yeah. 
I was thinking, I don't know if I've already used this, so we'll have to cut this part out if I've overused this parable, but uh, in the Zen books I've been reading, they talk about the flower. Um, so one of the practices he talks about is uh, when you farm the flower, as the flower starts to rise, it will attract weeds. Mm -hmm. But if you work all your way, take the weeds out and you throw them out, you're missing the point. Mm -hmm. And so the suggestion in the Zen farming thing is that you take the weeds out and you lay them at the feet of the flower so that they can uh, fertilize and feed the flower to, to bloom yeah. further. And that metaphor has been sticking with me as a creative because like you said, um, this idea that we can eliminate the negativity in our own minds is uh, impossible. Yeah. Um, so how do we accept that? Yeah. And then find a way to just do the next thing. Yeah. Fuck, that's hard. It's so hard. <laughs> yeah. And also like, yeah, we are all human and like we are all making mistakes and then being like, oh, that's so many lessons there. And that's something I've been really trying to embody is like, yeah, I, I've made mistakes. I've made blunders and like done things and being like oh I wish I did things differently that way but then okay like we still have all these opportunities in front of us to do things differently make new mistakes keep on learning keep on building something something beautiful and and um yeah we should just bother Kyle and stay another half an hour but we have to wrap <laughs> up um okay I'm trying to think if there's anything else so um I didn't get a chance to get to ask you to perform something for us. Yeah. Um, so you'll have to come back. But okay. <laughs> um, I could do a, a really short one. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you've got something that you think, uh, prep, I don't want to pressure you. But, no, I can. Oh, I oh can. sure. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I can, I can do one, a really short one um, that is kind of stems from my grandpa's philosophy on truth, beauty, goodness, and love and my interpretations of that. We are sleeping. We are sleeping, but our hearts sizzle on the back burner consciousness to bad we're all broken yoke and half crack consciousness. Wake up. Wake up. Don't take it apart. I'll give you my heart whole. Be warned. It's bottomless. Black, infinite and ominous. Swallowing stars. Cosmic hominid. Sucking each other in like Romulus. Suckled the wolf dry with remiss. I would be remiss not to remind you that the world needs us. That is, the wild wolverine women trust, even though they leave us, it's always in the dust of their own ashes. This poem comes in flashes, Polaroid memories. Loving you is like eating celery. Inefficient calorie. Burns up all my energy. Doesn't give back. The picture of us is blue tacked to the wall and it's fading beneath my unstoppable sunrise. All my atoms ionize. I synchronize in circadian symphony. That's my rhythm. That's my rhythm. It's all already written. Coded. DNA. Night lives in infamy of the day and all we can do is shed light like dawn. Curtains drawn give way. Wake up with the sun. Say something true. Mean it. Wake up with the sun. Celebrate goodness. Mean it. Wake up with the sun. Love something beautiful. Mean it. Mean it. Thank you. I don't know how to conclude now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And I know we've been wanting to do this for a while. So I'm really glad. Thank you so much for joining us. Or a me. pleasure. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I wish you luck on everything. Please let me know if there's anything I can do in general. Uh, I will, yeah. We'll talk after about me stealing some of your uh, performances for my podcast. But yes. um, okay. A any last words? Plugs? Nope. No. Thank you. Be well.
The APN is an Albertan-focused support initiative created by Karen Unland to help support and promote local podcasts to grow and thrive. There are a select but growing number of amazing podcasts on this network, such as Creative Block, the show run by my producer and friend Kyle Marshall, which focuses on highlighting fascinating Calgarians and their creative processes. You can find his and other members' work at albertapodcastnetwork.com.